gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long. Rocking all week with you, season five, episode thirteen. It is the final episode of this show, our show, or this fun show, this Happy Days podcast, hosted by me, Dan, to discuss season five. The last one, season five. Goodbye. It's good to see you. 77 to 78. The show was number two at the end of the um, uh, the season with Laverne and Shirley beating it out. Um, I think I think fairly well, um, but still both hilariously popular shows at this time. And we are going to wrap up the season discussing um, the last two episodes, Rules to Date By, uh, which aired, I don't know when it aired, in May 20, was it May 23rd? 1978, I believe, and then um, Fonzie for the Defense, which uh, May 30th, 1978. Uh, Rules of Day by, written by Joe Glauberg and directed by Jerry Paris. And, uh, well, well, let's go go right into that. In this one, it is a winter. It is the middle of winter. It is semester break, um, so I'm guessing it's maybe sometime in the first half of January after the new year. And uh, the gang are playing, the band are playing a show at... Um, at uh, at Arnold's, our Al is going away for two weeks on vacation, so it's closing down. They play what do they play? Happy Sweet Sixteen by Neil Sedaka, I believe. And uh, then they announce that they're going up to the Blue Ox Inn, which is eighty miles away, and it's very blizzardy out. And um, Richie and Lori Beth have a big argument because Lori Beth's dancing with all the guys, and Richie doesn't like it, so they break up. But they go to the Blue Ox Inn anyways, and um, with leather is there with the suede's. And, um, you know, there's some trouble with a big guy who's... He has a big guy name. Suddenly I've forgotten his big guy name, like Oak Tree or something like that. But he's a big guy. And um, the Fonz is there with a the gal. I believe... I want to say her name is Blossom. Um, but uh, they're there, and Chachi's playing drums, and the other guys are there too. And, um, yeah, the uh, Richie and Lori Beth are having some troubles. And meanwhile, Mrs. C is starting to read The Feminine Mystique. Which mainly means that uh, she gets Mr. C to take her out to dinner and then out to ice cream. But let me play a little burst of music and then we'll be right back to discuss rules to date by. Oak Tree, I think, is the name of the big guy in the lodge that um, Lori Beth sort of flirts with. And um, Richie has to fight the Fonzie, has to talk down at the end of the movie. And Blossom is the name of the lady. What we're going we're gonna to start with here is we're going to start... Uh, to me, um, okay, uh, I don't quite know where to start, because I was going to say, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. The last episode, which aired in the middle of May, took place right before summer, probably in May, on a very rainy uh, batch of days. This takes place in a semester break in the wintertime, which means, if it's the same sort of semester break I used to have uh, at college, it's... Um, uh, mid-December to mid-January. The fact that there's no Christmas stuff up, the fact that there's no New Year's stuff up, to me says this is probably right after the New Year. So this is, um, so so in my mind, this is, say, the first week, week and a half of January of 1960. And it's very specifically the semester break. Now, the semester breaks could be different back then, but I'm saying they're, they're probably about the same in my mind. So, so this would take place, I would think, in the first half of January 1960. Now, of course, the episode previous um, is supposed to take place right before summer in the same school year, unless this is meant to... T- unless 
unless the previous episode was meant to take place in, say, like May 1960, and this takes place almost one year later, in like January uh, 61 or something like that. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's, it's much easier than that. We remember that the, the, the anniversary episode, which aired on March 23rd, we knew was, know was the last episode of the season produced, and we also know that they held four episodes back for Sweeps Week, or Sweeps Month in May. The previous one, two seasons all ended in early mid March, and this one they specifically hold back episodes of February and March, so they will have four, presumably, uh, what they felt were representative episodes airing in May. And so, seeing an episode that's set um, in the late spring with summer approaching, and then seeing an episode set um, just less than a month into winter following that makes sense because they're not meant to be in chronological order as far as i'm concerned you know it'd be, it'd be like when when we get to the seven, season 11 after the finale a series finale there are what four or five episodes that aired after afterwards um in in the summer of 84 and those chronologically take play all take place before the finale so so i think i think i'm just fine saying that the previous episode took place in, say, May of 60, and this takes place in January of 1960. So I'm, I'm perfectly good with that. What makes it tricky is Happy Birthday Sweet 16, which was a hit for Neil Sedaka in um, 1961. And um, I may even have it here, November of 1961. So is this 1962? Is this, is this suddenly... Is this suddenly almost two years later after the episode we saw yesterday? If so, um, then Joni has an age of the day, and everyone seems to be doing the exact same thing they're sort of normally doing. They're in their junior year of college rather than their freshman year of college, and uh, Lori Beth and Richie are still arguing and going on and on and on, on about the same junk. So I am going to say that Happy Birthday Sweet Sixteen being sung in the opening sequence, which goes on quite a long time, and Anson Williams gets to look at all the ladies and, and, and smile and get, brings Joni up on stage and makes her smile, and we get to see lots of Lori Beth dancing with guys and um, uh, Richie not being happy about it. I'm just gonna say, yeah, this is a goof. This 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 is a goof. I mean, this is. I mean, this song is is literally almost two years off. I mean, if the, this is supposed to be semester break, their first year of college, then this is after Christmas, New Year's. This is January 1960, first half of January 1960, and this song became a hit in November of 1961, or or came out in November of 1961, almost two years later. So I can't explain that. Unless Potsy actually wrote the song and Neil Sedakis, maybe Neil Sedakis in the audience and heard and heard Potsy sing it, I don't know. Uh, but regardless, yeah, I can't I can't explain that because I don't I, I there's a possibility that this could be January '61. I doubt it, and again, I doubt it. I would say probably because of Joni. I think because next season we have a Christmas episode, and that episode I think is specifically said. I'll have to get back to you on that, but I think I think that if I remember correctly, the the Christmas episode from season six is very specifically stated to be Christmas nineteen sixty, so that means this is January nineteen sixty because it's the before that, so it can't be. We we can't be we can't be in we can't be in we can't be in nineteen sixty one we can't be in nineteen sixty two. This has to be January of nineteen sixty nine. I'm sorry that he's saying happy birthday, sweet sixteen. What are you gonna do? Anyways, um, how is the episode? Um, it's, it's a good episode. There's lots of funny bits in it. Unfortunately, the um, uh, 
um, Happy Birthday Sweet Sixteen is still in it, but they um, they replaced Johnny B. Good, um, Leather uh, doing Johnny B. Good with the, the suede's and 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 the guys in the band. They replaced it with just like like two 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 to three minutes of uh, generic Chuck Berry sounding music um, on the DVDs. On if you see it on like a syndication, the song is still there. And I wish I could find my copy of the disc. I have a DVD around here somewhere of it. Um, but uh, but I remember it was a good performance of John to be good, and they they all kind of dance around. There's a funny moment where um, they're kind of doing a, a reaching leather, kind of doing the Chuck Berry sort of thing, kicking their legs up in the air, holding the the you know the um, guitars in front of them, where they kind of go backwards and and Richie accidentally goes outside and comes back in covered with snow. I like that. That was funny. Um, it's unfortunate that the DVD um, had to do that. I think I think Chuck Berry. I, I remember the thing with the rights to Chuck Berry songs. What was it um, in the Simpsons episode where um, Kid sings "My Dingling"? And I think they describe sort of in in great detail on the DVD commentary how that works. Where it was like, I think it was Chuck Berry was still alive. And and it was like they called him up saying, "Can we have the rights to it?" And he was like, he said, "It'll be this amount of money, and I want it in cash, and I'll be there at a certain." And he actually like he showed up, or his representative showed up, came to the studio, they gave him the cash, he said thank you, and they went away, kind of thing. So, so I think probably getting Chuck Berry rights are tricky, like maybe getting Jimi Hendrix rights, or um, I don't know, apparently not as tricky as like Led Zeppelin rights or something, but. Um, uh, yeah, unfortunately, they, they couldn't get it, and they placed it with generic music, which kind of ruins the scene, um, simply because Leather, you see Leather's name, and you're like, oh, it's exciting, Leather's back. I mean, this could be one of the reasons why they saved this for Sweeps Week, because um, Leather's back. Um, the thing is, in the in the version on the DVD, unfortunately, it kind of stinks, because Leather is in it for about, I would say, a minute, minute and a half, then she does her song, then she's in it for another minute, minute and a half, and then she's gone. So without the song there... You see her, but she's barely in it at all, which is which is too bad. Most of the episode is about um, Richie and Lori Beth um, not getting along, and um, even the Fonz is annoyed with them by the end of the episodes, which is lucky because I was annoyed with them at the beginning of it. I didn't. Um, uh, it's 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 weird the way it's done because Lori Beth uh, um, has always been presented as sort of the smart one, whereas Richie is sort of the jealous kind of stupid one um you know well i said you could dance with other guys i could say you could dance but i didn't mean with other with other people or i forget exactly which me he says more or less that and it's like oh richie you're a jackball um but but the way they um the way they present laurie beth in this is unfortunate because they um they kind of present her as um, and i'm i'm not meaning to you know sort of but this is the way they have her be, like like with this guy Oak Tree or whatever the heck it is. He like he gets a splinter, and then she and he's looking at his hand, and suddenly she she's talking with Richie, and suddenly she stands up, runs across the room to him. Are you okay? Let me help you get that out. Oh oh, thanks thanks for helping me. Yeah, we got that. Out. Now let me lead you to the other room, and I'll wash your hands. Oh, oh okay, thanks. And then when Johnny B. Good is playing, he's like she's like right next to him, you know, kind of shaking her shaking herself around, looking up at him, and he's looking down at her. And then right after the thing, he you know. He, she's technically not going out with Richie that time. So right when the song is over, he tries to, um, you know, get some smooches in, which you know, and she she does, she she gets away from him and gets to Richie, and then Richie and Fonzie, mainly Fonzie, kind of take care of him. As sort of Fonzie points out, you know, he says at the end of the day to uh, Richie, you know, you gotta let her Lori Beth have some guy friends, and Lori Beth, please, not every man is a gentleman. 
and, and you need to you need to you maybe not and I, I you know I hate to say it because I don't want to get down on Lori Beth because Richie's really the one that's being the jerk here but they sort of overplay Lori Beth being like that I mean this huge hulking lumberjack looking guy and like why is Lori Beth like I mean she's clearly flirting with him I mean to me she's flirting with him I mean the way they look at each other well that, that to me that's flirting um, and um, and when she says stop to him, he should stop. Um, and uh, he, she shouldn't have to run away through the snow to, to hide by Richie and Fonzie. Um, but it, but it, it is weird because I don't know. Just I'm sorry. It just feels it feels a little off to me. Like they had to kind of in order to make you know both sides have to compromise. Um, they kind of make Laurie Beth. Um, I mean, they've already they've already showed her being as very friendly and and you know charming woman um and she is out there dancing with all these guys and then she's talking about how she's in her dance class and she's doing stuff with all these guys and everything like that and it's just it's i, I don't know to, to me they're like like overselling it in a way that isn't um that isn't that doesn't seem like Lori beth although we don't really know Lori beth all that well yet but um it just feels like a weird it, it feels weird to me i um I don't. I don't like it. I um. I I really wish it had kind of been more just like, okay, Richie, she she she's just hanging out with guys. She's she's you know she she has got friends who are guys. So get over it. And then Richie has to get over it. But by having Richie be jealous because she has men friends, and then by having her clearly kind of flirt with this guy who she doesn't know at all I mean maybe she's trying to make Richie jealous I don't know but it seems unwise to me this is a man who we see throwing axes at a bullseye this just seems unwise to me and I don't again I don't I don't mean to make it sound like I'm saying um Lori Beth is is like mostly at fault and and screwing this all up because I think it's mostly Richie but this episode kind of kind of it it doesn't it doesn't quite make sense to me that it does that because all the guys she she dances with the guys she chats with the guys in dance class are all guys she knows who are her friends this guy's just some random big douche at a at a lodge somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you know she flirts with him and stares in his eyes as the music is playing and then he's like hey and she's like what's going on now it's tricky I'm not saying like she asked for it but I'm saying the episode goes from she just got a lot of guy friends to oh no she is actually flirting with the other guys okay she should probably stop doing that because she's going to get chased around and have to have Richie and Fonzie help her out um so i don't i don't quite like that i think that should have been written better um um because it makes it makes Lori Beth seem kind of naive and a little bit dumb and Richie just like i said kind of seems like a douche throughout unfortunately part of my french but um this this I, I actually like this episode quite a bit. I don't like their part of the episode. The Fonz is great and get excited about going back to nature. I do like that big dumb guy. Um, his scene where he's contemplating the icicle is very funny. It's great to see Leatherback. Ralph has some good lines. Chachi and Potsy are fun. The scenes with Mr. and Mrs. C and the feminine mystique is, is fun stuff. It's sort of like the first um, inklings of like women's lib. in the. And I, I suppose, I guess that's part of a theme too. That if Mrs. C... And, and Joni wants to take the feminine mystique over for, for Jenny Piccolo to read, but if Mrs. C is reading the feminine mystique, it's sort of coming out of her shell, as it were. Then um, uh, seeing Lori Beth sort of flirting with the guys is could be her coming out of her shell, as it were. 
but she's supposed to be her and Richard are supposed to be together but they're technically not together when they're at the place but yet it doesn't make sense to me because they arrive there they play their show and then they're leaving it's an 80 mile drive up in the snow it's an 80 mile drive back in the snow they were already having car trouble when they got there so the fact that she's like because she runs in from outside so presumably she must have gone outside with this big lumberjack type guy did she have really truly have no concept of what it was he that he might want to you know smooch or something i don't know i'm trying i like lori beth and i'm ah, I, i'm talking about this too long you i hope you i hope you know what i'm getting at it's just it's it's weirdly done because they do that thing where they give they kind of give her um sort of characteristics and things that we haven't seen her have before and uh they get her in trouble and she has to be helped out of it um but it, I, but I wish they hadn't. I wish they had just done something better where maybe she wasn't flirting the guy. Maybe she accidentally just helped him. She didn't mean... Because when you see her with, like, the, the, the splinter, it's like she literally does stop talking with Richie, gets up, and walks across the lodge to, can I help you? I mean, this is a huge guy with this... And I don't know. Regardless of all that, I do like the episode um, when it's not on the two of them. Unfortunately, it is on them quite a bit, but... Yeah, you see, you see, um, uh, Mrs. C with the Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan, and it's it's nice that they have this in here. But um, again, I wonder if they, if they're trying to sort of match something up with the way Lori Beth is acting. My question again is that the the Feminine Mystique um didn't come out until 1963, so if she is reading the Feminine Mystique, I'm not sure how she's reading the Feminine Mystique. Is basically what I'm coming down. To. I mean, this is. This is just this is just a weird episode. I mean, it's it's funny. Like I I can set it in January of nineteen sixty just fine. But what about the Neil Sedaka song, which came out almost two years later? And what about the book that came out three years later and wasn't popular until four years later? That's where the loses me. I get what they're doing, but I don't I don't like the um. Uh, that that annoys me that they do that. Maybe maybe they pulled the episode from the future. Maybe this is for much later. I mean, the problem, like I said again, is that we are going to have a Christmas episode coming up that very specifically dates it at Christmas 1960, which means this is before Christmas of 1960. So how are they listening to the song, and how is she reading the book? Unless she got the book from the future. Unless it's future Mrs. C. Unless unless Mark brought it. You know, Mark and Mindy stopped by and, and, and dropped the book off or something for Mrs. C. I don't know. And... um I don't know. It's 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 true because the the episode I think is an enjoyable one. It's got fun stuff in it. It's got one of my favorite funny moments in here, which is um, the annual uh, their annual punch in the face festival. Show up early, you get the best faces for punching. Which um, Oak Tree there says to Fonzie, and I didn't say that all that funny because you have to watch it being said. Me saying it isn't going to... I mean, I could try to say it funny, but it's just going to sound silly. But look for the scene near the end with the application for the Punch of... I think it's the Punch of the Face Festival, which is which is funny. That's legitimately funny. And the Fonz is great in it. And, um, I mean, it's. I think it's a good episode for the Sweeps Week because everyone gets a... It's a bit to do. And Richie Richie gets a bunch to do. Mr. Mrs. C get a couple scenes. The Fonz gets some fun stuff to do. I'm just confused by Lori Beth's character and a couple of things that are definitely out of time. So I'll start talking about rules to date by here. I don't even know exactly what that means, rules to date by. You think they would have drawn up some rules, but they don't really have any rules. I mean, unless it's what the font says in the end, you got you can't, you know, flirt uh, with every guy you meet because some of them aren't gentlemen like me, 
and you got to let her have some men friends. Boom. Those, I guess those are the rules to date by. Fonzie's rules to date by. I don't know. But anyway, I'll leave that there. And again, I hope I didn't over um, overdo the, the Lori Beth thing. It's just the more I talk about it, the more I got confused by it. I'm then trying to... Uh, whatever. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> if you think I'm horribly wrong on that, then get back to me. It's just... Yeah, like I said, the Lori Beth meeting that the big guy there that doesn't in the context of the show, especially as I said, the the show I can't imagine it goes on more than an hour. They're doing the show and then going back. So why is she cozying up to and making such good friends with this guy? And you might say, well, no, she isn't. She's just being friendly. I don't know. Kind of right up against him and dancing right next to him and looking up in his eyes. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. That um. If 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 she were there and that that was me and her, and she clearly you know wasn't with Richie because they had broken up, I don't know. I'd be like, let's take a walk in the snow too. You know, I would. I'd be a gentleman. I'm I'm with the Fonz right there. But I'm sorry. I'm stopped talking. We're gonna go to Fonzie for the defense, which is the closing episode of Big Big Season Five. This is um, May thirtieth, I believe. Um, 1978, May 30th, 1978. Of course, directed by um, Jerry Paris. Written by Dave Ketchum and Tony DeMarco. It's been a while since they wrote an episode for us. Dave Ketchum, of course, Agent 13. And this one, um, Fonzie and Howard and a nearby barking dog. Fonzie Howard uh, are on jury duty. And there's a young man, African-American man, a biker, who is um, there and he has been accused of stealing an old lady's purse. It seems like an open and shut thing. However, Fonzie uh, believes that the young man is not guilty. And it becomes, um, you know, him trying to argue the case with a bunch of jurors who clearly don't don't care and just want to go home. So let us uh, go to the final episode, Fonzie for the Defense, and let's hope there aren't too many anachronistic things here or, or the timeline makes sense. Although it doesn't have to. Um, let me play you a blast of something. I'll be right back. The last episode of Season 5, everybody. And this one, it's it's um, it's tough to tell what time of the year it is. Um, they're still in school because uh, the uh, they do a big a performance of the Three Caballeros at some sort of... Fr- Eternity, something or other, and it's it's comedy filled. Although the the opening scene with with the three of them trying to figure out Patsy, uh, Ralph, and Richie uh, trying to figure out what they're going to perform at this this party is pretty funny. Um, but then about halfway in the episode, when you're really getting into sort of as much as you can, sort of the jury duty portion of the episode, they stop and do a full performance of the three the three gay caballeros, and it's um it's um it's uh yeah it's it's okay um but it has a nice punchline however but i won't i won't ruin the punchline for you i will say though i do like al when the three of them put their hands together on the table and al reaches down to put his hand on top of theirs and they all pull away and al is left slapping wood (laughs) slapping wood that was um I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna call my my uh, autobiography covering my teenage years slapping wood. Um, but anyway, yeah, the 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 main portion of the episode is is the Fonz on jury duty. Now the thing, of course, is that we've seen the Fonz and Mister C in court together, with the Fonz and uh, you know pulling off tricks and Mister C pulling off his tricks to to get the stuff done. And um, this is it's funny. There's actually like. There's the jury duty is like the A plot line, and the three caballeros thing is the B plot line. But then there's a C plot line of Mrs. C is put in charge of a paint sale when Mr. C is at the store. But there's a, also kind of a D plot line about Joni catching up with Jenny Pickle. Apparently, Jenny Piccolo was at that that fraternity party. Um, the three caballeros performance doesn't go well. Um, 
Well, I'll leave that for you because that's the song might bother you, but the um the the punchline is is fun. Um, but the the yeah the sort of the main plot line is the funds for the defense. But if if this had been the um, if this had been the um. Okay, one thing I do have to point out, Chachi has grown considerably from the beginning of the season. Scott Bayo has grown considerably. I'm guessing Joni might be at or near her full height. But notice, go back to the Hollywood episode when Chachi goes up to Joni and he's around her. He's not very tall. But in this one, when he goes up to her and he has a funny moment where he says he's delivering a kissogram for Joni Cunningham, he's almost, like, as tall as she is. And so, um... And obviously when we get to the sixth season, several months will have passed and it'll have grown even more. So that, that's kind of fun. I do like Chachi coming in. He has a scene where he comes in and announces that the Fonz is on. It's 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 it's, it's very funny. I mean, it's the David Ketchum, Tony DeMarco. They write funny stuff. He comes in announcing that the Fonz is on jury duty and there will be no day dates for several days. And there's, there's a great bit where Chachi's sort of standing in a booth on a seat and then he tries to sit down but like all the all the gals who are listening to him talk and look at the fonz are behind him so he's taking you can see it for trying trying not to sit on like the arms of the women uh, who have their arms on, on the back of the um the booth um but uh over, overall what do i think of this episode it's 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 a um it's 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 funny because the B plot line, the C plot line, the D plot line, all that stuff is very fifth season happy days. But the actual um, uh, the A plot line feels very much like a season two, maybe season three when it wasn't full on. Um, it was sitcommy, but it wasn't as much as it is now. But it has that sort of feel to it, like it's because it's basically it's it's Mr. Mr. C as the chairman, as as the, the the foreman of the jury, and Fonzie's there, and there's a guy named I forget what his name is. It's um because the the defendant is is Jason Davis, as I said, he's African American, and G W Brutch. I'm just calling him G.W., played by Barney Martin, is the big, fat, white guy who um, is um, clearly keeps... Eh, uh, yeah, he's he's clearly... Not, not only does he, he want to get jury duty as, done as quick as possible and declare this guy guilty, but he also... Yeah, I'm just looking at it here. Uh, Chachi is almost as tall as Joni, probably about three or four inches away from being as... Oh, maybe she's got some... They're they're about right there. They're they're looking cute. They're looking cute together. Whereas at the beginning of the season they looked weird. Now they're starting to look cute together. But it's funny, like, cause Joni isn't isn't um, acknowledging him yet. Does um does he suddenly become older in in the later seasons when they're going out? Um, I don't. I, I we'll we'll talk about that when the next season begins. And we see how how tall he is because the next season um, begins with Guessword Ho, the last of the three, two two parter three parter openers. Um, anyway. Yeah, the actual scenes in the it's it's weird. The scenes in the jury section feel abbreviated to me. Like there's only there's only two scenes, and the first scene is um, with everyone's voting uh, guilty except for the Fonz, and then the Fonz has this one point he makes, and Mister C says, "Okay, I'm saying not guilty too." And then they come back for the second scene, and the second scene is the one where he comes up with the. Um, the point from the transcript that that sets the guy free and it feels very abbreviated it feels almost like and no one else in the jury talks it's only birch birch gw there who talks so it ends up feeling a little weird because the moment you sort of realize that he's going to be the only one who talks 
you're like, okay, so it's just between the three of them, so it's going to be Mr. C moderating the Fonz and GW. And GW, I mean, he has one moment where he says, we got to string him up. And you realize, ooh, you are uh, old white racist, aren't you? And it's too, it's, it's too bad that you're like that. And, um, uh, yeah, and... And he does keep saying, well, these people, they'll try to get away with anything. And it's implied first that he might be... he. Might, I, th- I think the implication is somewhere in there is that he means bikers. But then you could tell after a while that he doesn't mean bikers. Oh, he might mean bikers a bit because the Fonz keeps putting, like, not guilty amundo and stuff like that. I don't know why the Fonz does that for jury duty. But there's so many things going on in the episode with the gay caballeros and the paint sale and, and other bits here and there that the court, the actual jury duty scenes, actually they're so short-tripted they don't even put them in a jury room. They just set up the courtroom, which they don't even need to set up. It's weird because they have the courtroom set up and the judge says, okay, uh, the jury duty room isn't ready, so you're just going to sit here. But it's funny because why not just cut to a jury duty room and have rather than setting up a courtroom, maybe they had a courtroom set up already, but why, why, cut, why not just have like a jury duty room that they all walk into? We don't, we don't have to... Um, there's no reason why we have to see the judge. They can just say what's going on. I don't know why. Because you look at the courtroom, the courtroom's a pretty big room. It's pretty. It's a pretty big um, set. So I would imagine, I mean, maybe they had to take down the Arnold set or something to put or, or it was just in the other space. But you would think it would have been just easier to... Well, they do have... I guess they do have a scene at the beginning where the, where the defendant kind of stands up and kinds of... Um, kind of yells at the judge and they have to kind of lead him out of the courtroom and that makes Miss GW say like these these people they can think they can get away with that you know his crap that he says but it's, it's funny you would almost think it would have been easier if they had just um, uh, just set up a jury duty room and had them in it instead of the, the, the larger courtroom but because no one does anything if people did stuff, be, but but everyone sits there except for GW, Mr. C, and Fonz. So it's a little weird that they did that, but that's not that doesn't take away from that doesn't subtract or add to the episode. That's just something I notice. I'm I'm wondering if it was just uh, uh maybe like next door or something. They had it's like like another. I, I, if you went to like the production uh, of the uh, the like uh, the other Gary Marshall productions, would they have been doing Mork and Mindy yet? Probably not yet, but um. Uh, maybe like maybe there was a Laverne Shirley that was in the courtroom around the same time, and they just used the courtroom. I don't know, but I do like that. Um, I do like the Mister C when when G W turned is racist. Mister C gives him a look like what? And you remember, of course, Mister C from the first season, um, the guy he was in the army with, uh, and stuff like that. So you know that Mister C is um, as as for these are as far as we know these are probably all hilariously racist white people on the jury because they're all white people a mix of men and women um and uh but but it's nice to know we know that mr c isn't well as isn't is is damn good for being a 1960s middle class white guy we know that the Fonz is also especially a biker someone who's a biker so I don't have as much to talk about in this episode as I did the last one. The last one of the Lori Beth thing that was confusing me. But this one, the, the, the courtroom sees... I mean, literally, like I said, it's the, the, the one scene begins with the jury, and then it goes to commercial break, comes back to the commercial break, we get the rest of the scene. Then there's the second scene with it. And it's almost like Mr. C says, you know, treating jury duty as a... Um, as Not, not as a, um, a chore... But treating it, and not treating it as a privilege either, but treating it as a, a, a duty, something to do rather than as a chore. And the problem is GW is treating it as a chore, 
and um, the Fonz is is the the Fonz again is doing that great thing where you just get that feeling since his parents abandoned him so early on that jury duty is something you um, is a, is a, is is a, is a is a privilege to do. It's it's something you could do now. Now I will say this: no one on the jury duty, and they seem to be on the jury duty for two days, maybe three days, but definitely two days. Oh well, we don't see the trial though. We don't see how long the trial goes on for, and we don't see how long it takes them to pick the jury duty. So let's say that, so let's say we see two days of it. Maybe there's one day more for picking the jury. So let's say they're there three days, and they don't actually say. And I don't know what things were like in 1960. How many days an employer would pay for this? So for example, like Mr. C's store is still open, so his store is still doing business. We could talk briefly about Mrs. C's sale. And obviously the, the, the Fonz isn't working, um, so he gets a few days off, but I think the Fonz is okay. I mean, what is the Fonz? The Fonz has that little apartment up above the garage. What else does he spend his money on, apart from his bike and his dates? And it's implied half the time that his dates are paying for him. And and that's one of the things with the Fonz, as you learn as it goes on, like the Fonz is just one of those that has tons of money, you know, set aside. So so the, so the one thing, the one thing to keep in mind whenever they do jury duty stuff like this is I think you rarely ever get someone on jury duty saying I'd like to end this as quick as possible because I don't get paid for jury duty and I've already lost two days of pay and I can't afford to lose more that never happens jury duty is always presented as a privilege and a right and and as it should be rather than a chore I wish it, I, I wish it was more to it in this episode they it really does feel to me like the episode may have had more of the jury stuff in it. Because, because the problem is, basically the way it works is, guilty or not guilty. Everyone says guilty. Fonz says not guilty. Why? And the Fonz has a thing. He shows them and says, this makes me think that. So then Mr. C says, okay, I, I'm going to say not guilty because I have some reasonable doubt. Then they come back the next day, and then guilty, not guilty, guilty. And then all of a sudden the fan goes, wait a minute. And then he has another thing, and that's the one that convinces everyone. And sitcom-wise for the season, this is par for the course for the season for the way these stories are told, but I, I really I really kind of wish this was in like the second season or maybe the third where there weren't as many B-plot lines, D-plot lines, C-plot lines, etc., etc. I really would have loved to have seen more... Um, I would have loved to have seen some more around the actual jury duty stuff because there's there's really very little in the episode i mean i would say like when they perform the gay caballeros that's probably as long as the final jury scene i don't know i didn't time it but um it's just uh yeah so so it, it, it just feels a little weird and um and i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up here i mean this is this is i think this is a good episode of the show um it the, the problem with it is that um I do almost wish it just followed the jury duty thing down and we had had a little more of the courtroom scene, the actual trial, a little more of the jury um, discussion, and maybe they could have paid a few of the extras to deliver a line or two. As it is, it's um, it's obvious what's going to happen. We're glad we get there. And it's as, as always, it's great to see Mr. C and the Fonz working together. And to end with the scene, Mr. C and the Fonz together, I think I think is nice, and then the plot line of Mrs. C and the, the paint sale works because what happens there is she's in charge of the big paint sale, and she marks apparently she marks all the cans of paint one cent. Now I don't know how much cans of paint were in 1960. 
I would imagine two, three dollars, four dollars, five dollars, something like that. Uh, but what happens in the end is that Mr. C checks the books and realizes that over the two days when he was gone, she made a profit. And and it's great the way because the season ends with a beautiful moment with. Um, actually, you know what I'll do? I'll play you the um, the, the the closing scene at the end of it here. Um, we'll play. I'll play the Happy Days theme. And, but right before I play the Happy Days theme, we'll play you the little closing with Mrs. C. And you got to remember the last one, Mrs. C was talking about the feminine mystique, which she got a copy of from the future. And this one, she's doing this cool junk with uh, the business uh, stuff. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play you that here at the at uh, when I'm done talking, and um, then we are going to uh, oh well well and the the three caballeros yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what happens there because that's pretty funny but yeah seeing the, the 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 bunch of them do the three caballero sequence, you know it's it's it's. Uh, you know, it's something you either, you either love or you don't love. Um, actually, it only goes on for a minute. I thought it went on much longer than that, uh, but that's okay. So I'll just—I'm just gonna—I just want to make one more point about the way the Fonz is dressed, because he has his jeans on and his boots, and he has a nice shirt and a tie, and then he has the um, his leather jacket on as if it were like um, a, a, a coat in like a suit, you know, like a suit coat. I don't know what the hell they are. I've worn them in my life. I'm gonna, I'm so old now. If I don't know what the parts of suits are, will I ever learn them? But I realized that when I was, um, when I was in college and I got my senior photo taken at the end of college, I used to wear flannels all the time. Not specifically because this was the mid nineties and because of grunge, but because I lived in the Northeast and I wore flannels all my, uh, all my life because they're very covered. I still wear them, but, um, I, I like to say I took this from the Fonz, but my senior photo is um, I've got, you know, nice, I've got jeans on and I've got a nice shirt and a nice tie and a very nice flannel as serving as like the suit coat in the same way that the Fonz's leather jacket does. So I like that. So so overall, it's it's a good episode. It's not, um, I, I, I think it's heavy on the Fonz, but everyone gets something to do, which is I think probably why it's a good episode to end the season on. And the Mrs. C gets a lovely moment you're going to hear in a bit. I just want to play you a little blast of something while I think about um, Season 5 in general. I'm not going to go crazy on it. You've heard most of my thoughts on Season uh, season 5 throughout here. But let me just give a quick rundown on my thoughts of Season 5 right after this blast. And yes, I know the, um, the little lead-ins throughout have been... Um, from Ellery Queen uh, Mysteries, or Ellery Queen, uh, mid-70s Ellery Queen, not not from anything Happy Days or anything 50s or anything rock and roll even related. Why? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, um, I, I ran out of songs to uh, pick for little breaks in between, and, and I, <laughs> I was actually going to um, uh, pick a Susie Quattro song, before um, uh, The Rules to Date by, but then just putting a random song and pretend like I'd put in a Susie Quattro song, but in the end, I just I just want to I want to keep the episode under an hour. I think it is, but I, uh, so so I use the Ellery Queen uh, blast. Don't you worry. When season six starts off, there'll be songs again. But I just wanted to um, streamline it just slightly because we're at the end of the season, and um, when I when I look back on season five, uh, obviously the show is is uh, extremely still extremely extremely popular. This is the go to hour, Tuesday, eight to nine. Uh, happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and uh, is much beloved. Um, what did I think of it as a season? Well, well, it's it's got its laughs. Um, 
Uh, it does have shark jumping. It does have Lori Bath. It does have Chachi. Um, and I don't say I, uh, it does have leather. And none of those are, are bad things. Uh, it also it's also it's also slightly weird because, like I said, I felt like we're kind of becoming a bit more mired in sort of sitcom formula and having a tougher time finding our way out of it. You know, if you were working on the theory that... I've, I've told you guys before about, what is it, uh, Joe Eisner and David Krinsky's television comedy series, an episode guide to 150 TV sitcoms and syndication. 153 TV sitcoms and syndication put up by McFarlane. See, I got that all memorized. No, I don't. I have the book in front of me here. But that book, I, I've, I, I think I've said way back at the beginning of all this, that book has a list in it. And I actually mentioned it in my new book, uh, From Beverly Hills to Hooterville, Exploring the Henningverse, 1962 to 1971. Buy a copy. Tell them Dan sent you. Amazon. Um, but in that comedy series book, they have a list of... They, they tallied up the plots of all the episodes they encountered and all the episodes they watched. They put together a list of, what is it, like 60 or 70 of the most used... Pl- or maybe it was 40 or 50 of the most used plots in sitcoms. And the joy, to me, of a good sitcom is that when you get to... When they're using one of the plots, like Green Acres, for example, being probably my favorite American uh, sitcom, when you get to the episode where they get Lisa and Oliver get handcuffed together, or you get to the episode where they go on some sort of picnic, or you get in the episode where they, um, you know, there's a double, or there's bank robbers, or, you know, all those, you know, uh, relative comes into town, you know, or something like that. Whenever you realize that that's what Green Acres was doing, the joy of it became seeing what they did with it, seeing how they could twist it, seeing what laughs they could get out of it. And I would say 75% of the time when they used sort of one of the classic tropes, they did something fun with it. Occasionally it would be a dud, but um, but generally not, and that, that was the joy of the show. The problem I'm having with Happy Days is that as we're going through the episode, and as we're going through the seasons, especially this season, and we're kind of doing sort of standard sitcom-y things. Uh, for example, like Danny Thomas is the grandfather coming into town, or, um, you know, or, or even... Well, no, I, I like Rules to Date By, but the arguing and Rules to Date By, and some of the other... The, the dog, Spunky, um, um, losing his vim and vigor. So, sometimes they just don't sort of get that... They don't crawl enough out of that space. I mean, because once you do a classic sitcom plot line, it's now, if, if you're choosing to do so, it's now your job to make it fun, make it interesting, make it new. And for sort of every episode where they kind of make it funny, hell, look at my favorite Orkin, um, there's an episode like, um, well, I'll say it again, like the, the spunky episode, <laughs> that it just isn't very funny and doesn't rise out of the, um, it doesn't make it new, doesn't make it exciting enough to justify having done having to justify having used that plot line at that time how about that you know maybe there was another time they could use that when someone came up with a better idea but there are there are just a few too many times in this season where the show is just formula sitcom writing on um the catchphrases and the things that the characters do over and over again and not really having much inspiration which is too bad. I'm hoping the next season has more. Um, uh, to be honest, I mean, the ratings are still going to be through the roof, so I, I don't um, foresee that. I mean, the show even begins, like like I said earlier, the show begins with a, the third hour-long episode in a row that 
you know, ends with a cliffhanger. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go through the individual episodes. I had thought about doing it, but I mean, I think it starts off strong with ish with with the Hollywood episodes, and then sort of goes all over the place in the end. And um, maybe maybe it was too many episodes. I mean, what do they have? Is it 25, 26 episodes? How many episodes were there in this season? Um, maybe there should have been fewer or less less episodes less episodes fewer episodes why do i never remember that you know it's sort of like um uh the simpsons you know seasons what 4 and 5 of the simpsons are my are my absolute favorites and those are what 22 23 episodes each and then the season 6 is where they're being asked to make 25 a season so make two or three more a season and it doesn't sound like much but you could sort of see it in season six even though the great david merkin's in charge of it um you, you could see some strain here and there i mean clip shows for example but you can see strain and this may be doing the 25 26 however many a year is a bit of a strain maybe they should be doing more like 22 23 i don't know but the people love them and they're having a good time and there's certainly a lot more musical numbers and you know sometimes to the, the 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 benefit of the show sometimes sometimes when an episode kicks in and Potsy's up there singing I'm I'm for it sometimes I'm not and uh, it's great to see Leather I'm glad she, she, she yeah she showed up several times I wish they'd give her a little more to do but it is nice seeing her there she has kind of an energy that is different from everyone else that I like so again I think Richie is kind of his character is kind of descending into stink but um he has two seasons left, and then we'll we'll see what they do with him after that. I think, and oddly enough, I was surprised at how much Joni sort of wasn't in the season. I mean, she has the Valentine's Day episode, but that's really about everyone else. Um, she doesn't get a great, uh, she doesn't really get a great number to sort of break out on her own, which is too bad. Yeah, Joni will have more to do, and you know, it's 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 again, it's not a bad season at all. I think it's I think it's a thoroughly above average but not too far above average season of a 70s sitcom. I, I can't say if I were to... I mean, and it wouldn't be because of the, the, the Jump in the Shark. I mean, if you've read my article on Pop Matters, Jump in the Shark and Surviving, my review of the season five, it's nothing to do with Jump in the Shark. It's simply that I think the show feels... is very comfortable. And that's why I say much of this season should be binged. Much of this season should be binge-watched. Because if you do so, it, it, it papers over the cracks of sort of the... Eh, some of the mediocre storytelling um, and some of the weaker episodes and when everything flows into one another you remember it sort of in your mind um, sometimes being much better than it may have been especially if you're doing what I'm doing and looking at the episodes so so darn closely so let me stop there season 5 is over season 6 is approaching if you're listening to this as they're going out this is the end of September 2021 I'm going to start early November uh, first half of November uh, 2021 we'll begin with season 6 and we'll do one episode coming Guestward Ho parts 1 and 2 the hour long season premiere and hopefully in October I will be putting up a second um, Cracked Magazine related one with a Cracked Cracked and you know how they love Fonz and Happy Days I have to see where the last one left off and go from there and I will continue on until um, well until they stop I mean Cracked I think at this at this point uh, of Cracked in um, yeah the uh, May of 78 they're all about the Star Wars and as Different Strokes started, if Different Strokes has started, then they're about the Star Wars and Different Strokes and Outer Space stuff, which does bring in the Happy Days gang. Oh, now I just want to sit and I want to look at um, Crack Magazines all night. Alright, well maybe I will. Maybe I will. Thank you so much everyone for listening. We got through another season. 
season five. Thank you. And um, yeah, if you uh, if you have any uh, uh, any anything, uh, you know, I'm at um, at Danny Slacks one or at E Super Train one on Twitter or uh, Eventually Super Train on Facebook, or you can email me at Danny D A N N Y Slacks at yahoo.com. Did this episode come in under an hour? I don't know, uh, but you will. And when I get done, I will too. Here, I'll put. No, I'm going to play a Happy Days theme on the way out. Talk to you guys next time. Uh, be safe, be good, and um, be cool. I don't know how. Listen, I've been going over the books down at the store, and I can't for the life of me figure out how you turned a penny sale into a problem. Howard, it's simple. It's like baked potatoes. <laughs> baked potatoes? Yes. When you eat baked potatoes, you're going to need salt and pepper and butter, sour cream, chives. And when you paint, you're going to need turpentine, drop cloths, brushes, buckets, rollers. You make your money on the chives and sour cream. Monday, Monday.